Welcome to Searching for the Question Live. Uh, my name is David Orban, and I'm very glad to have all of you following the show. Uh, we are streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. And uh, on uh, YouTube, you can uh, uh, subscribe the channel in order to be alerted when uh, we have uh, new episodes. Um, you can also uh, vote on uh, uh, future guests submitted by others or uh, submit yours. Uh, who would you like to see on searching uh, for the question live? And join uh, our Discord server uh, for discussing uh, what uh, are the themes that uh, are being uh, covered uh, on the show uh, and um, get uh, deep uh, in the various uh, subjects. And uh, finally, if uh, you believe that the content that uh, together with my team I create, uh, you're welcome to become a fan, a supporter, a sponsor, or a benefactor on patreon.com slash David Orban. Uh, today, uh, we are going to talk about uh, uh, the fascinating uh, subject of uh, space, space exploration, Earth explorations through space, and, and why um, suddenly, progressively, and then suddenly, um, it appears that um, everyone can um, design, implement, and then launch uh, various kinds of space uh, projects. And all kinds of countries uh, beyond the traditional superpowers of space uh, can participate if they have the uh, thought leadership, the ambition, and the ability to, to implement this. Um, and, uh, and it is going to be very, very uh, fascinating to, to see how this, uh, this plays out. Now, uh, we are not doing it alone, of course. Uh, uh, we are doing it with a wonderful guest, uh, Emmeline uh, Pott-Dahlstrom, who is an author, a speaker, a space entrepreneur. She's the co-founder uh, of uh, SpaceBase, and of uh, international space uh, consultants. Uh, and uh, she uh, lives in Christchurch, uh, New Zealand, uh, even though uh, originally we met at Singularity University in, uh, in California. So hello, Emmeline, and welcome to uh, Searching for the Question Live. Hello. Yeah, kia ora from New Zealand. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so we met. Uh, something like 12 years ago, uh, when uh, SU was um, barely starting uh, yep. with uh, the uh, initial class uh, zero of uh, crazy uh, 40 people, some of whom came from the International Space University yep. uh, and, and others uh, who enrolled uh, out of the blue because they didn't know what they would uh, experience. And uh, I'm sure you and I both uh, keep in touch with many uh, of, uh, of uh, GSP 1 or 0. I don't remember how we called it. Uh, but uh, your passion for space uh, predates uh, that. Uh, is, is that correct? Yes, definitely. Um, you know, I'm originally from the Philippines. And uh, I grew up with during the Apollo era. Um, and I've just been just enamored by Star Wars and Star Trek. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, growing up in the Philippines, there, there was really no opportunity 
Um, and I think I just really got lucky um, that, you know, there, there was this uh, opportunity um, about the International Space University and then I applied and, and I got in, I got a scholarship and it kind of just like snowballed um, from there. And, uh, you know, from there, went and did my master's in Canada, worked for ISU, uh, worked for startup companies in the U.S., like Space Adventures. And, uh, and then I, I worked for, for Singularity University, of which uh, I was also co-lead for, for the space uh, uh, department for, for a certain time. Wonderful, wonderful. So uh, one thing that I, I love uh, doing with uh, our guests uh, is uh, to, um, uh, to actually show uh, where uh, we are respectfully. <laughs> so yeah. I, am, I am talking to you from beautiful Bergamo. Uh, have you been um, uh, in Italy? Yeah, yes, in many places, but not in Bergamo. Um, yeah, uh, Goethe, uh, in the 19th uh, century, wrote uh, travels uh, in Italy, and he called uh, Bergamo the hidden hidden jewel. Uh, mm. It is really beautiful, and not a lot of people know about it. Um, uh, Ryanair uh, took it as uh, um, its main hub in Italy. So a lot of people land in uh, uh, Milan dash Bergamo yep. only to realize that it's an hour away from from Milan. So <laughs> they think they are in Milan. Yeah, uh, I love Northern Italy. Um, so yeah, well, any part of Italy is, is beautiful. <laughs> so now we can see the relationship. This is Northern Italy and then whoa, <laughs> there you go. There you go. This is this is Christchurch. Uh, are you yeah. are you uh, you are close to the water in a bay, aren't yes, you? Yes, actually, I'm I'm on Course Air Bay, which is very near where your 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 cursor is, just uh, um, near Littleton Harbor. So we're just like one bay over. So I've got this really fantastic view. It's it's nighttime here, uh, but uh, the view here is very spectacular. Yep, very. Uh, Almost where your your dad is actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it it must be amazing, and it is winter too uh, uh, right yes. now. Now yes. that doesn't mean that there is snow, does it? No, not where I am. Uh, it's very mild here. The winter, um, it's it's a little rainy today, but most of the time it's it's fairly dry, and I I keep hiking during the 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 winter time. So yeah. It's, uh, because uh, because these uh, these mountains, how how tall are they? Uh, not so tall. Um, I'm trying to to remember how tall they are. But let's see from where what you're showing uh, over there. It's about thirty minutes to drive to the top. Um, so it's not very far. And then also the 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 hills that are behind us. Uh, that's yeah. about let's say forty five minutes to to hike up. So yeah. it's not not that far. Very nice, very nice. But the and, and in Christchurch, there were a lot of uh, problems uh, uh, with uh, the earthquakes uh, yeah. liquefying uh, the uh, the terrain. Yes. Uh, and and uh, how is that going? Uh, have been have they been able to reconstruct the the city center and consolidate? Or they kind of gave up on it. Uh, how how is it uh, evolving? 
Well, definitely the, the city center is spectacular. Like, I mean, it took about 10 years to get it to where it is now, um, but it's very vibrant. Uh, there's definitely an area called the red zone, which is more towards the, um, the beaches uh, to the east. And so that area definitely is still, you know, uh, you can't build houses there, but the center of, of Christ Church is spectacular. Uh, now with all of the new buildings and and just that I think the people here because of the the uh, the earthquakes actually are kind of like more like innovative and uh, they're they're always uh, you know they they don't take no for 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 an answer it's always uh, very positive about doing new stuff nice nice very nice and and so from the Philippines uh, to California and then uh, to New Zealand, how did you end up in New Zealand? How did I end up in New Zealand? Okay, so um, so I was working for Singularity before before this. Um, as you remember, I was there for eight years. Uh, I was the chief impact officer and EVP of operations before I left. Um, but then about three years ago, New Zealand uh, started this very unique program um, called the Edmund Hillary Fellowship. And the fellowship really is for entrepreneurs and investors to come to New Zealand, work on a, a project that can scale, uh, and that's important to, to New Zealand. So every six months, they basically bring in about, uh, you know, like 50 uh, different fellows from all, all over the world. And so uh, my husband and I and another uh, per, uh, person, uh, basically, we applied and we got in as the first cohort about three years ago. And when you uh, get in, you actually get a global impact visa, which is the, you know, it's a very unique visa. I think it's the only one in, in the world. And you, you are allowed to basically uh, work and uh, create your own company kind of like here in New Zealand. And it's also, it's a pathway for uh, permanent residency. So, so actually, right now where we're almost at our three years, we, uh, we already applied for our permanent residency. And so we're, we're just like waiting for, for the decision. And uh, the, the project that you presented for the fellowship was uh, centered around space? Yeah. So as, as you know, as I mentioned uh, before, I've been really, really passionate about space. But uh, at the same time, if you kind of like think of all of the, the activities that are happening today, it's only dominated by kind of like nine of the biggest countries in the world. Uh, you know, 70 something percent of, of the, the global space economy and activities are, are actually uh, done by you know, th those big superpowers. Um, and but like if you really want a sustainable you know, space economy, a global space economy, uh, you want to have everybody really involved in it. And so my passion is to get the rest of the world to be able to be, be part of that. That, that global space industry. So the project essentially, which we uh, called Space Base, we incorporated here in New Zealand. And really the goal is to help catalyze the space industry uh, and ecosystem, space ecosystem here in, in, in New Zealand. So that's kind of like what we've been working on for the past three years. Um, and so we, we're focused on education, entrepreneurship and collaboration. 
of which there were there's like several uh, initiatives that we've uh, been working on. So for example, um, one thing is uh, we ran for the past two years, we ran the New Zealand uh, Space and Aerospace Challenge. So uh, you're familiar with, you know, XPRIZE and kind of like how um, using sort of leveraging incentive prices uh, to basically work on a specific problem that is important to New Zealand um, and then leveraging space technology uh, to solve that problem. And so the, we, we use this kind of like methodology to be able to initiate like new ideas, new uh, projects, and then potentially uh, for new startups and businesses. So, so evidently, when you uh, uh, submitted your um, uh, fellowship uh, application, uh, they didn't say you were crazy, but probably, <laughs> probably they were thinking that. Uh, except that three years later, they are going like, "Hey, we might have been wrong. Emmeline may not be crazy after all." Um, so do you think what what is the what is the mix between um your ability to 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 execute evidently uh uh having been lucky to have found a fertile uh, ecosystem of, of people who are open-minded and and welcoming to new ideas and new uh new new people implementing them uh and um uh, the serendipity of a moment that 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 the, that the time is right, right? Uh, if you did it uh, in the eighties, um, the Cold War mentality would have um, killed it. Uh, just as one one example, why ideas can only for flourish when the time is right. So, how do you evaluate uh, the, the the various components that? made it possible for, for you to, to have achieved what you did in the past few years? Yeah, actually, as you said, it's serendipity because um, yeah, we came at the right time, at the right place. And so when we, when we came, uh, Rocket Lab, which is now kind of like well-known uh, today as uh, the um, kind of like, basically they started a new, uh, you know, small launch market. Um, and uh, so they, they, they are the, the, the poster boy for New Zealand yes. uh, space. <laughs> They're the poster boys. And so uh, when we got here, it was like a few months before they even um, basically started launching. Um, so so there is already uh, there is already what we call Rocket Lab but they, they haven't uh, kind of like proven themselves yet. Uh, also, the New Zealand Space Agency just got started kind of like a few months before we got here as well. Uh, and so that's another, uh, that's another thing where actually, I think um, because the New Zealand Space Agency is very different from, from how it got founded, than any of the other agencies that, that, that are around. They, they were founded essentially because of the need for commercial, um, you know, uh, 
for a commercial entity like Rocket Lab. You mean you mean, uh, you mean New Zealand doesn't have uh, military ambitions to dominate uh, uh, <laughs> intercontinental ballistic missile launches and 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 things like that. Wow. I, I don't think so. <laughs> so, so yeah, having a very progressive uh, government that's very agile um, and is very commercially driven, I think is one of the biggest uh, um, reasons why uh, New Zealand right now, I, I think, is, is um, you know, is, is, is very successful. Um, and, and as you can see, they, they, they created like even new regulations. It used to be um, there is no uh, you know regulations for sort of like be the um, between air and space. And so uh, the the area in the stratosphere, which is like the high altitude um, uh, area, used to not have any regulations at all. And so when New Zealand actually had, uh, created their own regulation, they add that, and now um, it looked like you know other countries who would have to be um, be doing some regulations can actually uh, use their uh, legislation as a template. And uh, and uh, is this uh, legislation on GitHub or is it uh, available in? <laughs> yeah, in it should, way? yeah, it should be. If you go on the the New Zealand Space Agency uh, website, um, it should be on there. So so yeah, going back to your question. So yeah, for one, there is a there is a big. There, I mean, there's a company that is now has an infrastructure and a launch capability. I think that's one of the things uh, that's contributing to it. The other is uh, the fact that that yeah, you've got a progressive government. The other thing as well is I think um, New Zealand having already you know a mature tech uh, ecosystem, um, and also. You know the beginnings of like a, a, an an entrepreneurial ecosystem as well, which is which is important uh, to really um, getting this ecosystem going. So that's another uh, another thing uh, that that is going for for New Zealand. But also, I think one of the other uh, kind of main strengths uh, as well, I think, is the culture here. So. Uh, New Zealand is is you know is is far far away from everybody. Like we're kind of like at the bottom of the world. Uh, so it's very um, kind of like independent. Uh, very uh, um, the ingenuity of people here to kind of like leverage what they have because they they are isolated. I think uh, works very well towards this. You know, it's uh, it's not impossible attitude. Um, so they're risk takers, which is very, very much um, in line with, you know, somebody who uh, would really take on like the space industry, which is kind of like a very risky uh, kind of like industry. Now, the other, yeah. two, 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 three, or maybe 10 or 100 uh, specific <laughs> questions uh, about, uh, about that. Uh, first of all, um, Rocket Lab launches or plans to launch from New Zealand itself is it is it correct so they have been launching uh, yeah. already uh, so Mahia they 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 launched from the Mahia peninsula 
which is sort of like in the middle of the North Island um, here uh, in New Zealand. And uh, they're actually, they're also building another launch pad. So they have one launch pad, uh, they have uh, the um, another launch pad that they're working on. And then there's, there's another launch pad in the US that's about to also become operational in Wallops. Okay, well. that, that, that's interesting and I didn't know that. But the reason I was asking about where the launches are from is because uh, the, uh, the the EU, ES, uh, ESA, the European Space Agency, launches from French Guiana. French Guiana, yes. And and, uh, and there is a reason why the US is launching from Florida. And it yep. is because both are close to the equator. To the equator, yep. So they yep. take advantage uh, in terms of uh, launch uh, dynamics and, and orbital mechanics yep. of uh, various uh, parameters that are advantages, which is not the case for New Zealand, which is uh, um, far from the equator. So uh, yes and no. So uh, yes, if you are um, launching satellites that needs to be in an equatorial orbit, especially the geosynchronous or uh, uh, big satellites, yes, you need to be at the equator. Um, but for New Zealand, um, for example, all of these, you know, thousands of, of uh, Earth observation uh, CubeSats that are being launched today, most of them are polar. So they're actually in the right kind of like configuration uh, for, for New Zealand. Um, and the fact that New Zealand also, which is something that I also, I, I, uh, I, I did not uh, emphasize earlier, is that location-wise, because there's nothing in the east and there's nothing in the south, um, they're, they're really great for launching, um, you know. Uh, you the, you the cannot hit anybody if it goes bad. You hit anybody. And, and then the other uh, part as well is that the air traffic in that kind of like in, the, in this area ah. is so, uh, you know, minute compared to like if you're launching from Florida or if you're even if you're launching from Guyana or or you know a anywhere where there is just you're in the thick of, of the air traffic. Absolutely, is, is an absolute problem. So, which is why here uh, they can claim that you know you can actually fly um, many times over a week because there is no air traffic. Okay, so that is the next question. Um, are there projects uh, within the New Zealand space uh, ecosystem for reusable rockets? Uh, yep. Is it possible to compete with SpaceX without the reusable rocket? Uh, uh, yes. So. Uh, Rocket Lab right now is actually working on, and, and again, uh, just to, to give the distinction, I mean, SpaceX is, is a huge uh, uh, launcher, uh, and so it's a, in a different class. While uh, Rocket Lab actually launches, you know, small payloads, they the, the maximum that they can do for each launch is about 250 kilograms, um, so uh, which means that they can launch us, uh, less, um, but uh right now rocket lab is actually um in its is, is testing for reusable first stage uh, of the rocks and 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 the difference between spacex and, and rocket lab is spacex uh is 
is basically doing a powered, uh, you know, uh, come back to, 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 to land um, either on a barge or, or, or in Florida. With Rocket Lab, they're, they're experimenting on being able to actually have a, a parachute uh, that would, uh, you know, slow down the, 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 the rocket and then a helicopter would actually sort of like pick it up catch it, uh, catch it uh, before hitting ground yes before, wow. before it goes uh, to the ground so uh, and and they've done uh, they've already done some of this if if you actually google there should be some videos of this uh, already um, and so uh, they've done it experimentally they haven't done it in a, in an actual uh, real flight yet but that's going to come i think uh, fairly soon so so yeah, they uh, they are looking so at this that. Is the, this is the kind of uh, um, hi, it's me, Tim. Uh, the everyday uh, of um, how do you say it? Uh, of risk taking uh, that yeah. uh, that you were mentioning uh, before. So uh, uh, here we go. Uh, let's see. It, it just passed. This is this is yes. the catch. That's uh, that's how it is going to happen. Um, uh, yeah, we are not gonna watch. Yeah. Uh, video all the way through, but it is uh, absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it, like, and, it is actually really interesting. I, originally, before we were just kind of like shaking our heads, but but it it, it seems like it it works. So the other thing, uh, as well, is that it's no longer just Rocket Lab that is that, that is uh, hoping to be kind of like launching from New Zealand. So there is also another company called Dawn Aerospace. Um, and it's a New Zealand, Netherlands companies. They're, they're fairly new, uh, they're, but they're also funded and they're doing their experiments right now. Now this one's a, a, a space plane. So basically it's gonna take off uh, horizontally and, and land horizontally. And uh, the, the uniqueness uh, for them as well is they're, they're also developing green propulsion. So also very environmentally uh, uh, kind of like conscious and friendly. So so yeah, they I think they're 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 almost. Um, uh, uh, this this looks like a hypersonic ramjet. Yeah, it looks uh, definitely very you know different from from yeah. what Rocket Lab is doing. Yeah, very interesting, fantastic. Very good. And the uh, other thing, oh yeah, actually one other thing uh, with with Rocket Lab as well is that they're the very first ones who uh, who had a successful like three D printed rocket engine. Uh -huh. So the, the so the uh, the Rutherford engine, which is on the Electron, uh, is a three D printed rocket. Okay, very good. Um, now, you mentioned uh, uh, CubeSats, and uh, it is maybe worth uh, um, just uh, describing them a little bit for our audience, because uh, CubeSats are, are relatively new, but they have really taken uh, by storm uh, the, the industry. And, and what are the reasons for their success? Yeah. So... Um... You know, like thinking about uh, how space technology has been democratized in terms of miniaturization, 
or dematerialization. Uh, it used to be that you get like these really huge, uh, huge uh, satellites for very, and they're very expensive. But a couple of years back as well, and this is like related to the singularity as well. Some of the faculty, I don't know if you remember Will Marshall. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, so, so Will uh, and uh, a bunch of other uh, uh, people, uh, basically when they were still at NASA, they were trying to figure out whether, you know, the components in your phone, uh, you know, the accelerometer, like uh, the camera and, and so, um, they were wondering their components would actually work if you launch, you know, if you launch your phone in space. <laughs> and so the very first things that, that happen is like there's there's this project called uh, PhoneSat. Um, and so they they launched the, the, the their phone and and the experiment was that all of the components work. And so that is really the history of CubeSats, where the components of CubeSats today are really off the shelf. And that's really the, the reason why they're now so cheap uh, and they're so easy to kind of like manufacture. And it has now um, taken on a kind of like a different role. I mean, so CubeSats are, they're normally, um, you know, three uh, shoebox size um, of, of, uh, of kind of like spacecrafts. And if you think about uh, them, I always think of, of uh, the uh, as, as you know the analogy of your phone, and your phone has like lots of apps in it. Um, well, the CubeSat basically the, the the equivalent of the apps is the sensors. So you've got you know uh, cameras, you've got the different for temperature and like the accelerometer and, and all those. So sensors that are that can be put in like kind of like a bus, and so. Satellites today, you can do a lot of things with them. And so going back to Will, um, they started Planet, which used to be Planet Lab, and now they've got the biggest uh, constellation of Earth-observing satellites in the world. And they can basically take a photo of any part of the world 24-7. And again, these guys used to be just at the Rainbow Mansion, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, working on on their first CubeSats in the garage, um, and and now they're they're basically the yeah the biggest constellation. And 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 that is I think an important point that uh, uh, today very rapidly in ten years or less uh, a concept can be taken to a global scale where it changes a, a hundred year old industry like the space uh, uh, industry. Uh, not not quite a hundred years old, but almost a hundred years yeah. old. Uh, that that used to operate on on firm principles, changed very very slowly, uh, and and planet uh, really revolutionized uh, Earth uh, observation, uh, including also that uh, contrary to uh, NASA uh, and uh, and in large part uh, ASA as well that concern themselves with uh, interplanetary uh, exploration and launch, uh, I don't know, the equivalents of the Hubble Space Telescope for uh, mapping uh, and, and, and exploring and understanding the universe. Um, space startups want and are able to add value to Earth. Uh, mm -hmm. They are using space in order to benefit Earth, 
very directly. It is not aspirational. It is not a, a, a mission statement uh, to justify their own existence. You know, NASA says, yeah, 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 we are benefiting Earth too. And it is going to be true, but maybe in a hundred years or, mm -hmm. or, you know, it, it is an investment that is needed, but the return on that investment will be long term. Uh, the, the return on the investment in new space uh, startups is immediate. Uh, the, the kind of um, uh, agricultural information that uh, high resolution information available from planet gives uh, or even um, it is, it is a, a fun anecdote. Uh, it can be used for market research yep. in the term, in the sense that uh, you can watch in close to real time the number of cars parked in a shopping center's yeah. uh, uh, parking space in order to be able to calculate how the business is doing as a leading indicator before their quarterly earning report is released. So you can you can uh, um, uh, project out uh, economic data before yeah. anybody else uh, uh, is able to to do that. So uh, all these applications are uh, of really immediate uh, benefit and immediate return to markets and countries and continents very intimately intertwining the space economy with, with uh, uh, value to everyday people on, on the planet. Yeah, and... Uh... You know, the, yeah, the, I think the definition of, of the space industry definitely has changed uh, quite a bit when most people in the past would only equate it to rockets and rocket ships. Um, but really, it's all everything in that supply chain um, is is part of that industry. And and as you as you mentioned, um, you know, we we take for granted actually the role of what space technology uh, is doing to kind of like to day-to-day -day, uh, society. I mean, from the, 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 you know, the moment that you kind of like you wake up and you, you try to figure out like what the weather is like today and then, uh, you know, using your, your phone to go from one place to another. I mean, all of these things that we, we basically, we just take for granted um, it's not going to happen without without all of this space technology, um, and that's just kind of like one sort of like application of it that that is kind of I guess ubiquitous kind of like now. But there's still a lot of uh, of applications as as, as you mentioned, um, you know, uh, in agriculture um, as well. Uh, also, because the sensors are also getting much better. Um, today, uh, the more information and data that, that you can glean out of those, uh, those satellites and potentially new sensors will definitely help like the different industries like, like agriculture. Um, and then, you know, for disaster relief, there's also like monitoring of, um, of the uh, kind of like shipment and uh, shipment and, and, and fishing and, and like, um, you know, there's like illegal fishing now that can be actually uh, actually be determined because of, of satellites that that we have um, up there. Uh, there's just so many examples uh, now uh, of of 
of yeah of of space for Earth uh, that that's that's happening. Um, but I think uh, also I want what I wanted to to uh, point out as well is that because of the democratization of of, of these technologies, I think there are a lot of um, adjacent industries today uh, that are working in different terrestrial uh, industries that are kind of like just one step um, from being able to sort of like pivoted into uh, also serving the space industry or, or, or actually being part of that space industry. And I think that's one of the things that I, uh, I would like to um, get people to understand more can, can you give an example? What do you mean uh, for a, a traditional industry to pivot towards uh, being part of the space industry? So, uh, no. For example, if you're if you're a sensors manufacturer, uh, or like sensors that you're you're you know you're 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 on the phone, uh, it means that uh, you're your capabilities are already uh, potentially um, capabilities that can be pivoted to create components for satellites. Um, so, I mean, that's just like one very simple uh, kind of like example. Um, and, and I mean, all the way to, uh, you know, you can think about, um, even the far-reaching kind of like missions uh, for for the future. I mean, like robotics, for example. I mean, there's so many applications of robotics uh, today. But uh, again, robotics for potential space exploration for long-term future is still based on the same technology. Um, and even even habit, you know, habitats that we're like we're trying to to now uh, develop. For, for the future are also based on like terrestrial designs and, 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 and uh, terrestrial um, capabilities that other com companies today uh, that are focused on, on terrestrial can, can actually uh, work on for space. So um, New Zealand has less than 5 million people. Yes. And it has been able to create uh, a, a thriving startup ecosystem in general, horizontally across many mm. industries, maybe not all of them, maybe dominated by sheep or not, I don't know, but, <laughs> but, uh, but across many. Uh, and to everybody's surprise, if not even astonishment, it has been able to position itself on the forefront of the new space ecosystem as well um all right you said open mentality risk-taking uh, fast and lean government uh, these are all necessary conditions um and and we will not be able to find all the sufficient conditions as well we are not able to give a, a ready to deploy recipe but it's still kind of amazing, and and uh, I would say uh, beautifully inspiring. Mm. Uh, is New Zealand um, um, furthering relationships with other aspiring new space uh, locations? 
um, I don't know. I was uh, surprised uh, by the Luxembourg uh, Space Fund oh. a few years ago, right? Yep. Um, it, which to 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 mention it uh, to those who who are watching this uh, was once again a completely out of the blue initiative except for the vicinity of uh, various European Union um, uh, places, where the government of Luxembourg um, looked around, saw the US, saw Russia, saw China, and then looked up mm. and saw the infinity of space. And they said, well, compared to that, there is no difference between the US and Russia and China if they can do it, we can do it too. And they set up uh, legislation yep. that uh, was extremely welcoming, as well as uh, a few hundred million euro of matching funds yeah. to invest in, in, in space uh, initiatives. And I haven't kept a, a, a close eye on seeing how it is going, but for some time, uh, Luxembourg became the world capital uh, where everybody would move in order to take advantage of these uh, circumstances. So um, one of the beauty, beautiful consequences of today's world, including during the pandemic, is that um, the infrastructure of global communication uh, really eliminates distance, uh, except for time zones. Uh, where some people, typically Australians and New Zealanders, always have to give up on sleep if they want to communicate with Americans or Europeans. Um, and, and so strong and effective collaboration is possible uh, even if uh, you are in different parts of the world. So uh, is, is part of the mandate uh, or mission of space base to extend uh the and in in a more inclusive manner the uh, new zealand space in, space initiatives to other physical locations as well yeah that that's our kind of like that, that's our main ethos basically i mean our long-term goal here as i mentioned earlier is that uh we want to be uh inclusive uh, and so the more countries that we can sort of like help uh create an ecosystem that's sort of like our 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 long-term our long-term goal what so what we're we're really what we're, we're trying to do here in New Zealand is we're prototyping uh we're we're trying to figure out and it's the it's the kind of like the best place to prototype because it's the the environment is already there and so if if what we're trying to do here actually works here then we would love to share it like um, everywhere else, which is why kind of, again, our mission is, our focus is, is, is to look at developing countries and emerging countries uh, to, to basically help them uh, create their, their space ecosystems. Um, Africa, the next space power. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what we're, we're, we're trying to do. Um, and so, you know, um, leveraging uh, uh, incentive prices is one one method to do it. The the thing that we're working on uh, actually right now is that we're we're working on some free um, like assessment tools. Um, 
And so he's, it's not uh, up there yet, but in, in about a month's time, uh, we're trying to create assessment tools so that uh, we can share it to anybody, especially um, local and, and national governments and adjacent um, industries to be able to kind of like look at, you know, if I was in, say, in in Manila, so I, I'm from the Philippines, um, if, and, and you, go and, and do the the kind of like the assessment so that you can understand sort of like what your potential local capabilities are um to to create uh, a an industry what are your needs and what's your next next steps um so that's sort of like what what we, we want to do is like it's a it's the beginning of trying to first understand whether can you play or can you not uh um and and what are what are your your kind of like your value uh proposition your uniqueness uh within your your area to be able to uh to be part of it well certainly what uh, new zealand doesn't want is to be bogged down in other people's bureaucracy so <laughs> a very important uh, uh criteria is gonna be exactly like you said can you play can you play at our level of lean uh, uh, action-oriented uh, um, uh, uh, project management. Uh, talking about projects, uh, you mentioned to me uh, the bushfires uh, data oh, yes. that is going to happen in about a month. Uh, yes. so, so describe that. It, it looks uh, really not only fascinating, but extremely important. What What is yeah. it? How, how, how is it going to unfold? Yeah, so... Um... So essentially, for the past what is it four years, um, the the Frontier Development Lab uh, it's a you know it's an AI accelerator that has been going on um, in uh, in California and in Europe uh, as well. And so what we're trying to do is uh, we're um, we're doing a baby step to be able to to see whether we can actually apply the same uh, the same program, same principles here in Australia uh, and in Asia Pacific, basically. Um, so this uh, data quest is a one week sprint um, where we're actually bringing in uh, a combination of domain experts. Um, and, and, and again, for this particular one, we're focused on bushfire. Um, so how do you leverage AI and machine learning and space data um, to potentially mitigate and solve bushfires? Um, and so we just had this application period where we had experts, uh, bushfire experts, and then machine learning experts. And so what we're trying to do now is we're trying to combine and, and create teams. Um, and those teams would then work for a very, very short period of time of, of, of one week, but at the same time, it has like two weeks of onboarding and, and two weeks of off-ramp, um, off um, where we're hoping that whatever comes out of it uh, could, could also be deployed for actually um, uh, being implemented to, to, to solve some of the problems that we're having for bushfires. And, uh, and uh, is this... Um hackathon extended hackathon um uh, decentralized and online or people are expected to be physically in australia or new zealand oh so um 
in the past years, it was actually a physical program, uh, but because of the pandemic, we're all online right now. Um, but because it is so intensive, we we wanted to make sure that the participants are sort of like within the, the same time zone, which is why for this particular one, it was really offered to Australia and, and New Zealand. Okay, okay. Uh, and uh, and of course, the, the, the problem area is, is fascinating and very important. Last year's uh, bushfires were all over the world in the news, uh, just how dramatic. And um, I am not an expert, but uh, I don't expect this year to be any better. So being yeah. able to manage it uh, uh, in, in a way that alleviates uh, the negative impact uh, for, for everybody concerned is, is very important. Yeah, for sure. Uh, talking about negative impact, uh, New Zealand has been able to manage the pandemic uh, uh, probably the best uh, all over the world, helped by its isolation for sure. Yeah. Uh, but also uh, with a very um, scientifically oriented, fact-based government. Yes, uh, I mean I'm I'm really very impressed with Jacinda. Um, you know, she was very decisive. Uh, from like we we basically sort of uh, went on lockdown uh, after like the hundred uh, uh, active case sort of like happen so she uh, and uh with all of the, the the things in place but also i think because the 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 government as as you said is very science based and uh, uh it's also very transparent um uh there's a lot of confidence within the kind of like the the citizenry to to really follow um you know uh what the what the government was was uh, was basically requiring people to do um and so i think that's kind of like a, uh, part of the the major reason why it why yeah i think we're the only country maybe besides maybe iceland that um has managed to kind of like eliminate the 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 like uh um what is it uh, community transmitted um cases i mean there's there's cases now and that's only because there are citizens and and residents that are coming back home but the border is very strict where you know nobody comes in uh, that doesn't quarantine for 14 days and they're actually in um you know government uh, mandated um quarantine Yes, they cannot sneak out. Um, so I think that, that uh, and, and the combination of that, plus uh, also very, very high testing uh, as well. And, and then there's, there's the, uh, the contact tracing as well. So we have an app, uh, the, a national app that's, that's being used. So yeah, I think that's, that's definitely part of, of, of the reason that it's been successful here and uh, you know knock on wood that it it uh, it remains that way yeah and uh, and um, evidence based policies uh, i think is the key word uh, here uh, yeah. where um, 
a citizenry that elects uh, enlightened modern uh, politicians forming a, a government that uh, is not afraid of a complex world needing answers that may not be pleasing to uh, everybody and kowtowing to uh, what uh, is uh, an ideal but non-existing uh, worldview um, are the basis for a country that is not afraid of the future. Um, if we have a future that is very unlikely to be simple, laid back, um, unencumbered by conflict and 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 uh, uh, misadventure, but in order to gain the benefits uh, of uh, uh, of what is uh, in front of us, uh, we have to be able to face complexity and misadventure and uh, uh, and to do that in a manner that uh, doesn't make us turn away from facts and science yeah. and rationality. So congratulations for choosing a country like that uh, and uh, good luck uh, with um, the uh, uh, you know next phases uh, of the pandemic. Uh, the premise is good for New Zealand to to be able to uh, to face it uh, well again, whatever it is going to be. Uh, good luck with uh, the, um, the bushfire data quest uh, in in about a month, which is going to be intense but uh, very very satisfying, I'm sure. And uh, for Spacebase, uh, which um, is uh, really looking uh, to be able to organize and catalyze a lot of uh, fascinating initiatives uh, in, um, in, uh, in, in New Zealand, uh, elsewhere uh, on the planet. And I see you are already building a moon base. Or <laughs> so, uh, Emmeline, uh, thank you very much for uh, being with us today on uh, Searching for the Question Live. And I'm looking forward to have you back with some updates uh, in the future. Thanks again for having me. This is really fun. Wonderful. And uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, watching, uh, uh, searching for the question uh, live. Uh, I invite you uh, to sign up uh, to my newsletter, uh, which uh, you will receive uh, once a week uh, with uh, updates uh, on uh, what uh, I am about. Well, I am not about because I've been uh, four months uh, uh, in Italy, in more or less in complete lockdown. Um, and uh, there are no physical conferences in sight that would um, want me to, to travel there. And even if there were, maybe I wouldn't go because uh, until there's a vaccine, I am just staying away from any risk of catching uh, corona. Uh, if you speak Italian, uh, please also subscribe to uh, my Italian channel on davidorban.com slash YouTube Italiano. Uh, that has uh, different guests, and uh, as you will guess, uh, the videos are in Italian. And uh, 
Finally, if you find uh, these conversations uh, interesting and valuable, uh, feel free uh, to become uh, um, either a fan, a supporter, a sponsor, or a benefactor on patreon.com slash David Orban. Thank you very much and see you at the next episode of Searching for the Question Live. <music>